The Commonwealth of Massachusetts lays down the law on cannabis. And despite 29 states already using medical marijuana, eight having legalized it, proponents still have to overcome the weed stereotype in the media and in the public. It's July 1st. Retail sales begin in the Commonwealth. Now what? And THC makes you wacky on weed, but what does CBD do and how does it interact in the cannabis flower? All of those episodes coming up on this edition of In the Weeds. This week brought to you by Vape Daddies, Boston's number one choice for all your vaping supplies. Again, moderation. Yeah. Find out what the dose and start slow before you grow and all that, right? Exactly. Hey, there's your logo. Okay, so um, just a reminder, you're listening to In the Weeds, a podcast about the cannabis industry. I'm Jimmy Young, your host, and this is brought to you by our friends at Vape Daddies. They have four locations in the greater Boston area, and I am now going to read a commercial, if you will, for Vape Daddies. Wonderful. And just bear with me. So have you tried to stop smoking but haven't succeeded? If so, maybe it's time to try vaping. Vape Daddies, with four locations in Greater Boston, is dedicated to providing adults with an alternative to smoking, one that's let you will let you replicate the smoking experience without the 5,000 chemical additives found in most cigarettes and without the combustion or the smell. Stop into Vape Daddies in Newton, Framingham, Norwood, or Braintree and see if vaping is right for you. Vape Daddies also offers a wide selection of award winning vaporizers and glassware for flour or concentrate. And of course, like all this industry, it's for adults only. You must be 21 years of age to enter Vape Daddies. And again, I think the industry's really trying hard to uphold the over 21 access, not only to the dispensaries and to the uh, stores, but also um, to the websites. Now, I do have to ask a question, because there are some websites that ask you if you're 18 in order to enter, and there are some that are 21. What if you're a parent and you have a child with a, you know, a diagnosed, um, um, something diagnosed of like Crohn's disease or seizures? Mm-hmm. Um, does the caregiver help? In other words, does the parent become the caregiver and can then uh, yeah. administer it to the child? Is yeah. that that's allowed in most of the medical yeah. communities, well, in right? Ma- in Massachusetts specifically, there's no age requirement to be a medical patient. So there are but there are differentiators between how a pediatric patient and an adult patient are treated. So if you're over the age of 18, it's simple. You just come into a clinic, um, you get certified as long as you qualify, and then you apply to the state and you get your card. If you're pediatric, there has to be a pediatrician involved, um, and there's a much more intensive care plan with the pediatric patient. And the parent, it's really up to the parents or the, the guardians, I guess would be the right term, um, to work with the pediatrician and the, the, medical, the certifying medical marijuana physician um, to come up with a very specific treatment plan for the, the pediatric patient. Um, adults are, are, we advise them and we'll answer any questions they have and we'll walk them through them every step, but they are usually left to their own um, treatment plan most, for the most part. One of the, one of the things that uh, makes the law in Massachusetts a little unique is the, um, they, they talk about cannabis clubs and we talked a little bit about it. Uh, where do you think the future is on that and how do you think that's going to evolve over the next, you know, they kind of put it off until after October just to kind of, I don't know, get more research on it, I'm guessing. 
I don't really understand why they have to do so much research on cannabis. Because they're not educated. <laughs> they're politicians up yeah. there. Well, you know, it's been around for 4,000 years, first used by the Chinese for pain, first documented use. Yep. Uh, so use it. it was on, in the pharmacopoeia until the 1940s. If you're over 70, you've undoubtedly had it as a child in some cough syrup. It's, you, they usually use cannabis indica. And uh, it's always been known to um, be, it it's an adaptogen, it adapts to the place where you plant it, and it adapts to the people that use it. And so um, it's a wonderful, it's an, an, it's an herb, mm -hmm. it's a plant. Right. It's actually a very pretty plant. Yeah. Um, I have beautiful flowers, smells very differently um, in the, the raw rather than being smoked. And uh, it's uh, just a beautiful gift uh, to, um, to humanity because, as I said, it interfaces with our endocannabinoid system. And if you watch uh, Dr. Ethan Russo or follow him at all, he has postulated, although this is difficult to prove, that we are suffering from an end chronic endocannabinoid deficiency. And mm. that is why there's so such an uptick of chronic illness is his theory. Mm. And because we took all the hemp out of the grasses when we burned down all the cannabis um, in, uh, down in the south in, the round, in around the 40s. Can you explain to me the differences between hemp and cannabis? There are differences, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yes. The hemp plant's non-flowering, so mm -hmm. it, it doesn't and it produces THC in minuscule amounts. Um so it's a, it's essentially the, you know, the brother of a cannabis plant. Um more similar to a male cannabis plant only it's not going to produce the same pollen and stuff like that. Uh the female cannabis plant is what produces the flowers that we see and you consume um, on the flowers are the, where the trichomes are located, and that would ha that's what has the medicine inside of it: the THC, the CBD, the CBG. Hemp, um, it it produces the stalks, it produces the fan leaves, it produces minuscule amounts of THC, and it can be bred um, to produce CBD specifically. So that's what you see. Um, Big industry. Yes, hemp CBD is actually an industrial byproduct. It's it's what's left over when they. When they make the fibers and all the other stuff, reasons you know, hemp's got a million different right, uses. uses. Yeah. Um, but the the CBD is a byproduct of all that, so that's why we try and and it, and it comes across as you know because we're in the cannabis business, the medical cannabis business. But I always at my clinic try and advise um, the if you if you if you don't have another choice, hemp CBD is great. Um, but if you can get access to cannabis derived CBD, that's what you want to do because of the entourage effect that Beth was talking about. I mean the. Like she said, it's been around for 4,000 years, but aromatherapy is something people use all the time. And, and cannabis is the flavonoids and the terpenes that give cannabis its smell and its taste are the same things that give a lemon its lemony taste mm -hmm. and a pine needle its piney mm -hmm. taste. So limonene lime, is the uh, uh, lavender's mercine, right? Mm -hmm. um, pinene is the terpene that gives pine saw its smell and pine needles its smell. And the terpenes are extremely caustic, so they're used in household cleaners and stuff. But they affect the body's usage they're antagonists to the um to the endocannabinoid system so they turn the receivers on before the thc and the cbd and the cbg get there so that they're ready and waiting for it like opens the catcher's mitt um as the way it was, the way it was explained to me you guys yeah. are so educated about this mm -hmm. i mean is it just you studied it you've researched yeah. it you've, yeah. you've it's fascinating you've spent time yeah, it's on on it right it's fascinating i found it's, out I find very it the same age. way by the way it's, yeah, it's I, I can't get enough information now because the, we you know uh we're, we'll 
will give it the nod to Dr. Mishulam again. And he said he uh, regrets that he has only one life to, to give to the study of cannabis. Yeah. It's so complex. Yeah. And uh, we we just don't understand all of it. I was listening to a um, a group out. They had a, a, a two-day podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to a group of scientists speak about um, the cannabis fields. Yep. And if you have a cannabis field and then the terpenes are lifted up like pollen or, you know, they lift up, a, um, they have a UV protectant ev- uh, effect as they cloud over the field. So they were saying not only is it, and if, and topicals, if you, we don't even talk about topicals. Topicals are I use them every day. Yeah. <laughs> They're unbelievable. Yep. And they have a UV protectant effect too. So so, I mean, they have they have reparative, restorative. Um, that's cannabis. I mean, it's a it's a fat that you can go on. We could go on for days yeah. about cannabis. There's so much education that needs to be um, given out to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as far as you guys know, and you're much more in touch with the industry than I am. Is yeah. there a campaign planned? It, are they? Uh, do they have, um, as soon as the laws are set aside, does the commission or, or whomever uh, have any kind of an educational program that they're going to uh, share with the public? And I mean everybody, not just the medicinal people, people that need it for medicine. I mean, do you know if there is such a thing in the in works or not? Uh, I mean, the, I know the state of Massachusetts specifically has leaned pretty heavily on the Mass Medical Society for mo- for, for the, um, like, to give the train they were the first ones that were approved to do um the continued education for the doctors and stuff like that but i don't i mean i unless you've heard of anything i've never heard i haven't of heard I, I i think commissioner hoffman did say something that they would have some sort of statements coming out about it but i don't know if you it's know going it's funny. to be anything educational mm-hmm. i'm not sure this morning i actually got an email from the department of public health um you probably got the same one um they just—they actually just launched a survey, quote unquote, in that uh, they're trying to get. They sent it to every single patient that's yep. registered in the system. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm and, waiting for mine. Then, yeah, you, I you, sh- you probably got it. This I got it this morning when I woke up. So okay. And it's, a, and it's a request to fill out a uh, survey about the a the program, the registration process, the use of the cannabis. Um, and they, I think they're even giving away gift, uh, like it's a drawing you'll enter in to win a $500 gift certificate if you win. Uh, I mean, if you get selected. But they're trying to get, now that they have a, you know 50,000 people in the database, um, they are attempting to gain some some feedback up from the patients so that they can hopefully use that information to, to start an informational campaign. But it's funny you bring that up because, you know, literally this morning I got that email request. Well, everything's Whoa. starting to f- happen fast. That's another reason why I was so anxious to do this podcast with you guys, because I knew people are craving information. They want to know what's going to happen on July 1st. What kind of effect is it going to have? Whether they're first-time users or multi-time users, mm-hmm. they there seems to be a real need for education. Right. Well, and, you know, as for as well and good as that is for the Department of Public Health, and I love the Department of Public Health because I ran a couple of hospices and a couple of home um, certified home care companies and worked in certified medicine. But, um, you know, the Department of Public Health is all over. And, uh, for example, they're sending out emails to patients that are certified in no other world for no other medicine right. do I right. under, do I know that the Department of Public Health 
is involved. Like opioids, for nope, instance, which we've already kind of already. They're not. Everybody they're not, recognizes how dangerous those they are. They are right in there with the physician-patient relationship when it comes to cannabis. Yep. And uh, I happen to have a problem with that, and I'll, I'll I say it. I do too. I have a real problem with it. I think it's a violation of your civil rights. I think that it's a violation for patients that have disabilities that they have to reveal what their disability is to the Department of Public Health. I think if a physician certifies you. It's a licensed physician. Mm-hmm. That's between you and your physician. And, uh, you know, now they're now they're polling, apparently. Yeah. Mm. Um, r- licensed p- Anonymously have, a polling? Yes. Are they anonymously doing it? So it's done through the patient portal. So, no, it wouldn't be anonymous. They know exactly know where it came from. Well, there's been a... Um, right. an, and I think Nicole and Michael were telling me about, um, I think it was them that were saying that they The MPAA. So I'm yeah. the clinical director for the MPAA, and yeah. Nicole's the executive director, yeah. and Michael is the development director. Yeah, great, We've been very great people. active. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. They're responsible for a lot of uh, the good things that have happened in the medical community. They're great advocates for the patients. But um, they were telling me that um, they were attempting to get the registration system change from a name in the in to the DPH number. list to a number. Yes. So because mm-hmm. every patient is assigned a P number. Yes. They get a P mm-hmm. you either get a P number or a C number. You're either a patient or a caregiver. Um, and that number should be what to, you know if the DPH does need to know for whatever reason they they claim they need to know, that's is what they should know. And right. and that right. would restrict you get a the picture and a number and that's it. Yep. And th- and that's all you have to show at the dispensary. Right. So that you can go in as a patient. Mm-hmm. Because there's a tax, you know, there's well, some I mean, advantages the, to being but, patient. But, the thing but is why is do they have to know anything about you? Even right. the guy checking you in, I mean, I don't want to talk badly about the program, but even the guy checking you in at the front door at the dispensary knows what your diagnosis is. Right. I it mean, pulls right up on his screen that says, right. I have cancer, I have Arthritis, pain, whatever arthritis. it is. Whatever, whatever category yeah, the doctor so, puts you in. Yeah. So when we talk about HIPAA, there is really no HIPAA. When cannabis. it comes to this That's industry. That's right. HIPAA is a federal program. Yeah. It's federally illegal. There's no HIPAA involved. There's HIPAA between you and your physician. Right. But then, you're, but then you are mandated to send your qualifying illness into the Department of Public Health with a stamp on it. And off it goes. And it goes into a database. And that, that was requested by Washington. Um, and we, yes, and we said no. <laughs> yeah, we said right. no. So we right. Thought we, I remember yeah, seeing that. Yes, we said no. And so they did not get that information, but your information is out there. And, in fact, if you fill out the forms on paper, there's yeah. a disclaimer that says yep. there is no guarantee of privacy. Right, I saw with that. Your, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Right. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, you to know, use a medicine. I, it's terrible, and yet... I live to see the day where this is actually available now yep. to people yep. who need that's it. What I, that's what that's I say. And, and I think that the commission has a really tough job. It's They're not going to be able to please everybody. It's just not going to happen. They were politically appointed, which is half the problem, yep. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, um, we can change rules as we learn more and more about the effects it have has on our populace. Yes, that's true. And I think that's what we, you know, uh, otherwise, so you, otherwise you can sit here and say, oh, those guys, they did, they, they yeah. don't want to do the clubs, they don't want to do home delivery, they're horrible. They're we are very lucky, um, especially in the state we live in and, and how restricted things usually are here, um, to be able to have the program that we have. Um, but like anything else, it can be done better and it's up to us to you know it's up to the patients to you know if patients have a problem with going on the list patients need to show up to the the hearings and patients need to go to the state house and call that call you know boston and and let it be known that they have a problem with that because a squeaky wheel gets the grease and 
we're lucky that we have this medical program, but there are a million different ways we could improve it. And and I look back to, you know, like I said, I'm only 29 years old. I, my best friend in the entire world died of a heroin overdose in 2014. I'm and if, if he, Ugh. if we had access to what we have access to right now, that wouldn't happen. 100% wouldn't happen. I know for a fact it wouldn't happen because he loved cannabis too. He just loved heroin more. But if there was a, a hmm. way to use that that was socially acceptable that instead of going to Florida to go to a rehab and going to Connecticut to go to a rehab and then just coming home and getting right back into the same things, if there was a way to put him on a medicinal dose of cannabis that he could have regulated and, and, and done medicinally, it would have changed everything. So that's why I'm very, very happy that we have what we have, but I, I think I agree with what Beth said. There's a very long way to go, a very yeah. long way. And I agree with Rob in that we are very lucky in the state of Massachusetts because we do have the medical program, and now we have the adult use program. There are many states, and I have right. nurse friends who are dying and are working hard to get um, medical cannabis approved in their state, and they're having a hard time. And so we live in a world where we think, oh, this is... We we, criti- we criticize, right. we talk, we complain. We blame negative, and we negative, 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 negative. And we're we don't look lucky. for solutions to problems, yes. and it drives me nuts. Yeah. Yes, and yet Sorry. we're very no. lucky that we live in the state, but we forget that we live in this state, and what right. translates in this state does not translate to other states. Right. Correct. And then that creates problems for patients because right. there are a lot of patients now that are relying on cannabis. Right. They have a rebound effect if they come off their cannabis because their disease state uh, can come back, sometimes roaring back. Right. Wow. Their, their pain or their, their nausea or, or their, their seizures or something or like that. Wow. And so we don't have reciprocity in all the states. So like Rob was saying, you can't go, you go on vacation. You go without your medicine, or you bring your medicine, and you run the risk of getting put on a no-fly yeah, list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a huge uh, educational cur- curve to go on in this industry over the mm-hmm. next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you guys, we, we could sit here and talk for another three hours. Yep. You know oh, that. Easily. Oh. Yes. You know, there's so much out there. I'm not going to allow my director to stay here that long because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he, you know, he's a college student. He needs to get back to his campus. But uh, I just want to thank both of you guys for coming in here today. Thanks for having us. I know oh, you, you. you especially, Rob, because you, you made an extra an amazing, extraordinary effort to get here uh, oh, through traffic. Please. <laughs> and uh, I, I know also we had to deal with some weather issues over the last couple it's been of weeks. Rough. We just it got is, power back yesterday. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I yeah. really appreciate that. A pleasure yes. to meet you, Beth. Pleasure. Yes, we can totally talk about more. I think, like, I only got through like half my list. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I really oh, did no. only get it. I didn't get into the growing part. We right. didn't get oh, into there's, there's so uh, the investor part, the business side of it. There's, there's so many things. Uh, absolutely, the next time. Time. I, you guys have an open invite, and we're going to talk more about that as we get off. But I, I at this point, though, I do want to thank um, Little Park Media for providing us the studio today. Yes. Steve Helmuth, who directed this today. And I want to thank Beth and, and Rob for coming up as well. Uh, especially want to thank Vape Daddies, who believes in what they're doing and what we're doing and giving the education and the opportunity to experience something that really has many, many, many more positive things to it, uh, positive effects to it than does alcohol. And even though you can get alcohol in any corner at any restaurant, um, there's a whole new world out there. And if you need uh, your hand held, 
That's what the medical community, I think, is here for. Ask your questions. Call up the various centers. Talk to the doctors. You know, whether you think you need it medicinally or not, because we're going into the world of retail. We're going into right. the world of adult use. Right. The, 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 the upside for this is they, they need help. The whole Everybody needs the help to get more and more um, knowledge and education about this. So, Absolutely. again, well, you guys, thank you so much well, for everybody you. here at Little Park yeah. Media. I'm Jimmy Young. We'll see you next time on In the Weeds. You're listening to In the Weeds, a podcast about the cannabis industry. Brought to you by Vape Daddies, with four locations in the greater Boston, Massachusetts area, in Norwood, Framingham, Braintree, and Newton.